Hey, welcome to Rockbridge Community Church this weekend. So glad that you are with us at any of our six physical locations or online. So as you just saw on that video, we have uh, an amazing opportunity when we get to unleash uh, and make available our mission trips for the year. And we're getting that reignited as it was disrupted due to the pandemic. So you can go to rockbridge.cc forward slash trips, rockbridge.cc forward slash trips. See all the opportunities that are available. Know where, we're, uh, where we have missionaries or we have mission expressions where we're trying to help people with uh, real needs and help people also see Jesus Christ. So incredible opportunity for that. Just want to point you to that. And, and then let me just say this, you know, one of our uh, <clears throat> acronyms or one of the ways we describe what it is to follow Jesus is we say live sent. And this weekend, we're celebrating 10 years of being in Rockbridge, Ringgold, Catoosa County. So can we just celebrate that because <clears throat> about, 11, about 11 years ago, there was a group of people traveling down to Dalton who lived in Catoosa County, and they started asking, hey, we think uh, we need an expression of church like Rockbridge in our hometown, in our city and as they say, the rest is history. So we're just praising God for 10 years. Congratulations to Rockbridge Ringgold and the work that we get to do in Catoosa County. Join with me. We pray together. God, uh, we're here by not by accident. And I pray, God, you meet us where we are. Take us where we need to be. I, I thank you, God, for what you've done in Catoosa County through so many different churches, but certainly in the last 10 years through Rockbridge. God, open our eyes to your word. Open our ears to hear what we need to hear. In your name we pray, amen. So we've been in this series called Reframe, and we're challenging ourselves about how we look at things. And we've said, hey, we all look at things through a certain frame, through a certain lens, but we've been challenging ourselves to say, how does Jesus look at things? Well, the reframe, and we're going to talk about this weekend, is best illustrated by some famous predictions that never came true. So let me share a couple of them with you. Here, here's one of them. Television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood bo box every night. Boy, they got that wrong, right? Because I bet you everybody's watching a little bit of tube today, right? Here's another one. Heavier than air flying machines are impossible. A physicist named Lord Kelvin said that. Uh, and, and most of us have probably flown on an airplane. Remote shopping, while entirely feasible, will flop. Because women like to get out of the house, like to handle the merchandise, and like to be able to change their mind. That was Time Magazine in 1966, of course, saying, hey, online shopping won't work. I think that stuff's still true about ladies. I'll let y'all be the judge of that. But I know this, we're online shopping in my house, uh, and I know a lot of you do that do the same thing. And then the final one, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty and a fad. Anybody ride a horse to church this weekend? Right? I didn't think so. So all, all this illustrates, right, <clears throat> all, all this illustrates is this. Hey, life involves movements, and movements move. And if you are part of a movement, then you are moving. And, and, and so just like culture, society has moved away from the horse and buggy to the automobiles of primary modes of transportation, just like a lot of us have moved to mostly or partially online shopping, uh, just like we've moved and we can fly places and all those kind of, and we watch TV and that was not just a fad. Life is, is about moving and movements move. And so if you're part of the movement, then you have moved or you are moving. 
So I, I thought about that, but I thought, you know, when we look at our lives, I'm not convinced we always operate or think of ourselves as being part of a movement. So, so for some of us, we see ourselves as part of a cycle, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then repeat, right? And it's just sort of like, you know, it's time to get the kids in bed, it's time to wake up, it's time to, to cook, to shop, to go to work, and it just feels like a cycle that's repetitive, and, 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 and we're just sort of managing the cycle. For some of us, we don't think of life as a movement. It's like it's a movement to be comfortable. So I just have a little picture of a bed, right, where we just want to stay comfortable. Well, you know, movements, by definition, involve change, involve being uncomfortable. But sometimes we see our lives through the lens of, hey, I just want to get to a comfortable spot and never move again, right? And, and, that, and, and that comfort is not only physically like what you lay on or sit on, but it could be financially comfortable. Uh, it could be career or professionally comfortable. But we just want to get to that spot, and we never want to move past that spot. So that, that's another way. And then I think all of us know what it's like. Hey, I don't, I'm not worried about moving anywhere. I just need to survive. I, I'm in survival mode, and, and, and I'm just trying to get to tomorrow I'm not, I, I'm not concerned about moving anywhere. I just need to survive. And so when we talk about our lives, oftentimes the way we look at it is not that my life is moving in any certain direction. If it is, it's a cycle or it's trying to become comfortable or more comfortable or just trying to get through my day or get through this season. So here the question becomes, is this the way Jesus looked at it? If you have your Bibles... Love for you to open up, turn them to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, and then Acts. Fifth book of the New Testament. And it's a part two of a two-part volume that a physician in the first century, his name was Luke, wrote to a Roman, probably aristocrat, whose name was Theophilus. And he's basically giving proof about Jesus. Okay, so we're going to see what Jesus had to say or how Jesus thought of Life? Did he think of life as getting through a cycle? Did he think of life as survival? Did he think of it as comfort? Or did Jesus think of it more as a movement? Here we go, the Word of God. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do. Key word in the text. That Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. That's called the ascension when the Son reascended or went back into the heavenlies uh, to, to, be, uh, to be there. After he had given instructions, some translations say given orders, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Now, the, the key phrase there is Jesus started something, and he gave his followers, he gave his believers instructions. Jesus here is starting a movement. So when Jesus looks at his people, his followers, he knows that he gave orders, he gave instructions, he gave clarity. He started a movement that continues through his followers and that continues to, that, to this day. So if we are only looking at life as the repetitive cycle uh, of what we have to do, if we're just in survival mode, and, and listen, 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 life will tend to put you in survival mode. I'm not denying that. But God doesn't want you to stay in survival mode. Hear me. 
okay? If we look at life as just trying to get comfortable, stay comfortable, and get mad at anything that threats our comfort, we're not going to be on the same page as Jesus because he began something that he intends for his followers to continue. Let's go a little bit further and see how this uh, materializes. After Jesus had suffered, that's the cross, he also presented himself alive, that's the resurrection, to them by many convincing proofs, historical testimony, eyewitness accounts, factual objective information. Jesus who died is now Jesus who's alive. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the basis of our movement. When Jesus walked out of a tomb alive after he had been brutally murdered, that started a movement from death to life, from an eternity that is hell-bound to an eternity that is heaven-bound. That started a movement in souls. That started a movement in geographic regions. That started a movement, and you, whether you know it or not, are going to somehow have to reckon with that movement. Just like we all had to reckon with cars, right, and the arrival of TV and all of that. If movements move, okay? So Jesus started this incredible movement, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God, speaking about God's kingdom that was coming to people through the revelation of Jesus' death and resurrection and what that means. Now, this ver- these verses right here, I-, I think when we think of them in the context of a movement, they're designed to help us understand that, hey, this Jesus movement is not a bandwagon thing. This is not a, some fad. It's not like, you know, the, the, remember how everybody was into cryptocurrency and then it went bankrupt all of a sudden? Now a lot of people are like, whoa, what was that about, right? It, this is not a movement uh, of like the transfer portal that's taken over college sports of people bouncing around from team to team. It's not a fad. It is founded not on someone's whim, not on someone's opinion, not on someone's feeling. It is founded on convincing proofs that Jesus Christ is alive. All right? So when, so when God is saying our lives are supposed to move, we, we don't want to be like those quotes of people who said, nobody will ever watch a TV. No pl- nothing will ever fly in the air. No, 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 the, the, the horse and buggy are here to stay. We don't want to be like that because this movement that Christ started is based on objective evidence and facts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what we're saying is this movement that Jesus started is well-founded and based on objective truth, and it's worth moving with. Now, let me say this. We live in a culture where everybody bases things on their feelings, and it's called subjectivism. Well, I think and I feel, and what we think and what we feel, we often elevate above authority. We often elevate it above the Word of God, we often elevate it above Jesus who rose from the dead. Christianity is not founded. This is where I get like frustrated 
with like postmodern people and people who like, you know, want to make certain parts of Scripture and certain parts of Jesus optional, like it's salad bar, buffet bar, Jesus, I'll take this part, but I don't want that part. This is the frustration that I have with that. Christianity is not founded by a bunch of people getting in the room like, well, I feel like, and I think that Christianity is founded by Jesus said he was God, and then he died and he rose again. He said, you want to be a part of me? Follow me. Let's move, right? That's the movement. And so he's building confidence that, hey, when you jump on this movement, you're not bandwagoning, you're not a fad, you're part of something that's real, that's valid, that's true. Verse 4, Acts 1, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. And you can go back and look in Luke and Matthew and John Gospels, and he's talking about something specific. For John, the Baptist, baptized with water, immersed in water, but you will be baptized, immersed, controlled, affected, influenced by, or with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So the Son of God is going to go up. The Spirit of God is going to come down. So God is still on you and with you and empowering you. So God puts his spirit upon us to empower us not to be comfortable, not to survive, not to get through our cycle, but to move with God. We get the spirit of God. So sometimes we get in our fears, we get in our insecurities, and we say, I don't know that I'm qualified to move with God. Guess what? You're right. But guess what? You get the Holy Spirit, so you're qualified, all right? So that's where where he's just building this confidence. He's building this assurance about this movement of how he sees the world and how he sees our role in the world as he ascends and the Spirit comes down here in history, all right? So the disciples are hearing all this, and just like you and I, they have some questions. Just like you and I, they, 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 you know, they want to kind of apply the movement to their preferences or to their expectations, okay? Or they want to apply the movement that's based on what their own way they look at the world. And so they ask Jesus a question. It's an honest question, but it, it can, if it's taken to an extreme, it can hijack the movement. So here, here's what they say. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time. Now, what they're saying is, Jesus, are you going to recreate or reignite or restore the political kingdom that was at its heyday during King David? Are you going to, is this a political movement? A lot of Christians think that's what we're after and that's what Jesus is after. You know, they're talking about make America great again. That's not what Jesus talked about. He talked about go tell the world the gospel. That's what Jesus talked about, okay? So a lot of us kind of get our politics and our theology kind of weirded out and combined and conflated. And so just look at what, what we can do when that happens, all right? And so we can misunderstand what God is doing. We can misunderstand our purpose. We can misunderstand the movement. So the temptation is this. We remove, reduce the movement to what you and I can understand. 
At this point, let's be, let's be fair to the disciples, the apostles. At this point, their only paradigm was the political paradigm of, of ancient Israel under King David. They were hoping Jesus was that king that was going to set up that political kingdom in their very lifetime. They didn't understand the nature of the kingdom of God and that God's primary motive was to deliver people from sin, Satan, and hell and not to necessarily institute or reinstitute a political kingdom on earth. All right? So, but then that you, we can also reduce the movement to around our preferences. You think about a lot of churches in America. A lot of churches are organized around personal preference and not the purposes of God. We can also resist, resist the movement with the wrong focus. Okay? And so all of that is at play. And all of that threatens what Jesus is, the, the, the movement that Jesus is trying to ignite. And so he corrects them refocuses them, and then expands their vision. And that last phrase that I just said I think is very, very critical. So I want to invite you to lean in. He corrects them, he refocuses them, and he expands their vision. Listen, let's not be a people with a small vision for our lives. Let's not be a people who believe our purpose is just to wake up in a 24-hour cycle, to survive or to be comfortable. Let's understand the vastness of the vision of Jesus and what it truly means to move with him, walk with him, and follow him. So listen to the words of God, not the words of Matt. Here we go. Here's what he says. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. So we're not going to debate it. We're not going to try to figure it out. So, so I, I caution anybody that gets, gets focused on when's Jesus coming back, okay? I am not, you are not on his planning committee. We are on his welcoming committee if it happens in our lifetime, but we ain't on his planning committee. Jesus is saying, don't worry about when. Focus on what you need to do while you're waiting for me to come back. Hear me? So he's refocusing. Okay? So don't worry about when. But he says, but he goes back. But, now this little word in the Greek is a redirecting word. So he's redirecting their ambitions and their aspirations, which were primarily political and military. He's redirecting those to the spiritual kingdom of God vision that he wants them to be a part of moving with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be. This is is your role. This is your purpose. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you currently are, in all Judea, the region around you, and Samaria, the next door uh, country, state, region, and to the ends of the earth. This is why Christianity's here where we are in America. This is the movement. See the movement? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's big. It's geographic. It crosses geographic borders, language borders. It crosses borders uh, of race and ethnicity. It is a vast movement, and our role is to be witnesses of, witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's the goal, that's the part of the movement. And then you go in the book of Acts, and the rest of the book of Acts is these 
12 guys that became, there was 120 that became 3,000, that became 5,000, and that eventually got moving toward the ends of the earth, not in their lifetime, but certainly going in that direction because movements move, right? And if you're a part of a movement, you're moving too. So it eventually started moving in this direction. What do we see them doing in the rest of the book of Acts? Talking about, speaking about, sharing about Jesus. Here's how they said it. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, I want to ask you a question. We're supposed to be witnesses. How hard is it to be intentional about speaking about Jesus Christ? Now, we haven't seen him physically, but the Holy Spirit, if we're born again, has shown him to us spiritually and shown him to be Savior, King, Superior, and Supreme. And a lot of times I think we struggle to talk about Jesus. How many of us Georgia fans struggle to talk about back-to-back national championships? It ain't hard to talk about something you're proud of or you're in love with or passionate about. It's not hard. Not hard at all. You don't have to know all the answers. So I just want us to understand part of our purpose as witnesses is to speak and show, share and show Jesus. There's a great example of this occurred a couple of weeks ago. Probably many of you saw, like me, uh, the Buffalo Bills safety. (coughs) DeMar Hamlin goes into cardiac arrest in the middle of a football game, near-death experience, resuscitated, revived, ICU, touch and go, touch and go, and he survived. Well, they invited a a, a former, actually he's actually played for the University of Georgia. His name is Benjamin Watson, played tight end for Georgia, went on the NFL. He's a strong Christ follower, incredible Christ follower, has some incredible things written about race and justice and equity from a Christian worldview. It's incredible. So he was on CNN. And I always have this thing, because I know when prominent Christians go on CNN, and I know CNN's going to try to do the catch, and, but they're going to throw the softball, and the softball is going to be something about, is Jesus the only way, or do you guys really believe there's a hell, and that kind of stuff. And I want to read Benjamin Watson's answer, a response to Anderson Cooper on CNN. As they were talking about this life and death, how many people were praying, all these people are praying for this young man, uh, DeMar Hamlin, to survive. And here's what Ben Watson said, and and I think it's one of the greatest examples of being a witness. Because he's gentle, he's respectful, but he's clear. He said, part of my prayers right now, Anderson, Anderson Cooper's doing the interview, is for the players in both of those locker rooms and for the chaplains, who I know very well, who were right now counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who is still fighting for his life. This was before he uh, made that recovery. Because the questions, and listen to how he turns it, the questions about what happens after this life, where you spend eternity, are coming for all of us, Anderson, not just the football players. And then here's how he says it. Brilliant, beautiful, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Simple, respectful, not wagging a finger, turn or burn, baby. Just pointing people to the answer. The answer to that age-old question. What happens after we die? Some of you this weekend, I think you need to choose Jesus. To be your king and savior and begin to move with him. But there's a larger question for us 
in a church like ours, Ringgold, 10 years old, Rockbridge as a whole, 20 years old. And I think it's the question every church, every Christ follower's got to wrestle with. And the question is this, will we move with Jesus? Will we move with Jesus? Will we move with Jesus? Will we understand that we're not to just live merely in the 24-7 hustle and bustle cycle, that life is way more than survival, life is way more than trying to be more comfortable, that life designed by Christ is a movement to represent him and to be his witnesses, to represent him and to be his witnesses. For Rock Bridgers, I think we could take that question and say, are we just attending or are we moving? Are we attending or are we moving? Because the danger is this. The danger is this, that we cease to be a movement and just become a, com- a ministry. Or we just become a community of like-minded people. Or even worse, the church is just a place that I go to occasionally. When movements move, and people who are part of a movement thus move. And, and that's the challenge we always have to come back to if we're to be the people of God in our time, in our place that God has positioned us in and placed us in by his sovereignty and by his providence. And, and I, I can't think of a, a greater way to spend one's life than doing the very thing that Jesus said we should be most committed to, most passionate about, and most faithful in, being his witnesses. So I just want to offer, if, if we're saying, okay, I want to move. Maybe you've stopped, maybe you've started, maybe you're not sure. How do we move with Christ? How do we move with Christ? And here, here's my offer, okay? Here's my, here's my reflection on this. I, I think we have to reflect truly on the gospel. You've heard me say we never graduate from the gospel. At Rockbridge, we've been talking about for about a year or so now being gospel-centered, not political-centered, gospel-centered, not me-centered, not personality-centered, not preference-centered, but gospel-centered, not denominationally-centered, but gospel-centered. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15. He said this is of utmost or first importance, and and he talked about the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for sinners. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to deliver us from Satan and sin and the wrath of God. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to show us the supremacy of Jesus, the rightful kingdom of Jesus, and to invite us to be a part of his family and his kingdom and his movement. And I think when you reflect deeply on the gospel, and I, I, I mean deeply on the gospel, when, you, when we sit and understand it should have been me on the cross, when we sit and understand it took the literal blood of Christ to cleanse my filthy soul. It took the, the body of Christ to absorb the righteous wrath, the deserved wrath of God. Jesus in my place. Jesus instead of me. Jesus for me. Jesus ransoming me. Jesus propitiating, satisfying the wrath of God. Jesus did all of that for me. While I was a still, still a sinner, Christ died for me. When we just reflect upon that, I, I really believe It will create a reflexive response where we can't help but share 
the passion and the love that we have and that we have received from him. It's like Paul said, after he talks about the gospel being of first importance and he talks about Christianity, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's a great definition. That's, I mean, if you could wake up every morning and, you know, you ask, who am I today? Am I, you know, what, who am I going to be at work today? Who am I going to, man, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what Paul says. So by the blood of Jesus, I am what I am. By the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, I am what I am. And then look what he says. So he's reflecting on what God has done for him and who that makes him. And he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder or I moved with Christ than any of them, the other apostles, yet not I, but it was the grace of God, the love of God, the gospel of God that was with me, helping me to move with him. So we reflect upon the gospel, and as we reflect upon the gospel, here's what your life will begin to look like. Now, before I put this up on the screen, all of our lives, if not careful, become a selfie life, a me Myself and I. That the, the culture does not speak to this movement. Culture encourages you to be all about you. Your flesh does, the world does, Satan does. But as the gospel gets a grip on our soul, when we embrace movement, then this movement occurs in us. And, and let me explain the movement, okay? Me. The gospel hits us personally. Jesus died for me. Jesus died instead of me. Jesus rose for me. Jesus wants to put or will put or has put his spirit in me. All of that's beautiful. But it doesn't stop with me. Then we become part of a we. That's, your, that's church. That's, as we've been talking about at Rockbridge for the last couple of weeks, that's gospel community. People that know us spiritually. People that can ask us about our souls. People that give us grace and acceptance. People that help us become all that we can become in Christ by His Spirit. So me, Christianity, goes to we, my church, my spiritual family, my gospel community, okay? But it doesn't stop there. Then it goes to they. They who have not heard of Jesus Christ. They who do not know of the love of Christ, the hope of Christ, the goodness of God, the life of Christ. Do not know that, the, that Jesus came to satisfy every thirst. They, apart from God. They who have life about, without God. They who are facing an eternity apart from Jesus. And so me to we to now I have a they. And I want to be a witness to my they, wherever God takes me, because I'm moving with God as his witness. And so reflecting upon the gospel at some point pushes us in this direction. And then we make this decision that Jesus told his followers to do. We decide, I'm going to represent Christ. I'm going to represent Christ everywhere I go, in my character, in my conduct, in my words, I, I, I want to speak of Christ. I, I, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to turn people off. So I want to do it with respect and gentleness. All that stuff is biblical. But I'm going to represent him. I'll never forget this, okay? I joined the Navy. I'm at the Naval Academy. And, man, they're like, we're like sequestered. Like they don't want anybody to see us, I mean, like for like two weeks, okay? 
And then they teach us how to wear the summer white uniforms. If you've seen Top Gun Maverick, you know what I'm talking about. They're good-looking uniforms, okay? I mean, they're so good-looking, right? And, and, and so they teach us to wear these uniforms. And, and I mean, we're so particular about these uniforms, they issue us a bottle of bleach with Q-tips. You know what that's for? If there's a spot, you bleach it out. Right, so like literally, you would get dressed in this thing. You'd look at yourself in the mirror. Your roommate would check you out, and you got this little bleach thing. You go out smelling like crap, but you look good, right? <clears throat> and so I never forget Baltimore Orioles game. I get to represent the Navy first time in my life in my summer whites. How much more should the privilege of representing Jesus Christ be for us? So decide to represent, and if we're going to make that decision, then, then a couple of things. Pray specifically for the Holy Spirit for the sake of the movement. See, check your prayer life right now. I, I know all of us are praying probably for somebody we know to be healed of something. We're praying for wisdom about a decision. Would you just pray, though, Holy Spirit, help me to be a witness. Holy Spirit, help me to be a witness. Holy Spirit, I go to work tomorrow. Holy Spirit, I'm going to watch my grandkids play ball or my kids play ball. Holy Spirit, help me to be a witness. And then live alert and live available for the open door. Expect God to open a door. Colossians 3.3. 3. Pray for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. For an open door. Let me close with a, with a story. There was this missionary. His name was A.W. Milne. A.W. Milne. Okay? He was part of a group of people that were known as one-way missionaries. So they were going to leave their home country and go to on a one-way trip because they weren't going to come back. They knew they could die. In fact, when he left, he packed his things in a coffin. And, uh, but he'd already died to himself. He knew it wasn't about him. It's me, we, to they. So he's going to be a missionary around China and some of the islands to a group of people that have killed every other missionary that has visited that island in the name of Jesus. But he knows he's got to move. So he goes there and he receives favor and he lives among this tribe for 35 years never returns home, and he's buried there. And these tribes people buried him, and they wrote this. They're all Christians now. Now. They wrote this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. You're going to go to your family you're going to go to your job. You're going to go somewhere. And you're going to be around people who are in darkness. Decide to represent. Bring the light of Christ that's in you. And let it come through you. Because movements move. And we're part of the greatest movement in the history of the world. May we pray.
God, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting us, empowering us, putting your spirit in us to be part of this movement. God, I just want to pray for everybody here. Lord, there may be some folks here, and uh, they don't know yet, but they're ready to say yes, that Jesus is the answer they've been looking for, and they're ready to give their life to Christ. And I just pray you commune with their spirit, hear their yes, their faith is coming in you. We celebrate with them. God, may we all hear this incredible invitation to move with you. May we recommit ourselves to it. May we ask you, Lord God, show us where we can be light. Show us, God, give us that open door. And I pray the Holy Spirit upon this church, God. I pray the Holy Spirit upon this church. And the Holy Spirit comes, God, in Scripture all the time to enable us to speak of Jesus Christ, to represent him in all the places of darkness that you might care to send us so we can shine the light of Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.